The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. So I went on this crazy trip, this Project Inspire trip. And um, so afterwards, we, um, we're done with the trip, and we're driving back from the Hamptons, because yeah, and we're driving back to, to Brooklyn, and I get, I get a ride with some old Brooklyn friends of mine. I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, representing all that stuff. That's West Side, East Side thing. So, um, so we're driving back, and one of the guys, he's a very wealthy guy, and, uh, and uh, let's just call him, let's call him Yona. Okay, that's not his name, we can call him Yona. And Yona is like sitting there, and all the other guys are just like, tell Rabbi Ari your story. He's like, nah, I don't know. And I said, come on, tell him the story. I'm like, you got a good story. I can use a good story. I was like, all right, I'm going to tell you the story. He said, um, a bunch of years back, he said, I had no money. He's like, I had nothing. I had, I had like uh, $30,000, $40,000 in the bank. I, like, really, I was, I was trying to do business, trying to do real estate, just trying to, nothing's going, nothing's going. He said, one day I'm out in the Bronx. And I'm um, trying to get some business deal going. And I had to go to a certain office in the Bronx, certain housing, whatever, but in the Bronx, to go sign some papers, try to get something going. I'm there. He's like, and over there, he had to like, fill out everything on computer, slow computer. He said, I was there for an hour. Filling out the whole thing. It was too much work. I, but finally, I finished it. Fine, I'm ready to go home. My kids are waiting for me. Why? If I get from Bronx back to Brooklyn, it's a whole trip. As I go up, there's this Altiyid, an old Jew who's sitting there. And the old Jew says to him, uh, excuse me, and Shuldix, excuse me, you're a yid. He's like, uh, yeah, he's like, you can help me here with the computer. I don't know computers. Who knows computers? I don't. In my day, we did. He's like, okay, okay, stop talking. He's like, look, I, I, I really don't have the time. I really don't have whatever. He's like, I don't have the time. Did my family die in Europe for you not to have that? And he mamish gave him the guilt trip. He gave him the guilt trip. I went through the Holocaust, you know, the whole thing. He's like, okay, okay, you got it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Well, he pulls up a chair next to this guy. And the guy says, my name is Martin. So, hello, Martin. And they sat down and they started to go through. And he said, I spent an hour and a half with the guy. I'm like, what's your name? I'm not telling him anything. <laughs> you got to fill up the papers, Martin, please. You know, what's your social security number? I'll tell you the number. Okay, Martin. Just... Finally, Eddie Schmoozing with Martin. Martin's wife had passed a long time ago. And he finds out this is a lonely, lonely, older Jewish guy. They exchanged phone numbers. Finally, he gets home and he decided, you know, I'm going to keep up with Martin. He sends messages to Martin. He brings Martin over for Shabbat to his houses a lot of times. He brings his kids to visit Martin. And over the years, he's like, there were certain times I was in touch with him once a week, certain times only twice a year. You know, but we always kept up. And then when Martin had to be taken care of, I found him a good aide, a lady to come and take care of him. And she really took care of him. She really loved him. And, you know, it was always great to go and visit him. And, and he was always happy to see me and the kids. And he was like, and then they called me from the hospital uh, when Martin was brought in. He's like, it was about seven or eight years after I got to know him. And they said, you know, this is it. This is going to be his end. I came in, and there's Martin, and, and I, uh, I was like the last one with him. We said Shema together, and that was it. And um, Max of Kin, anything? No, there's nobody. He doesn't have any relatives or anything else. He said, so, I, he's like, I didn't have much money, but I paid for his burial. I, I, all these different things, I went and I took care. I, I, he's like, I called up the place, and I called my rabbi, where the halachot and buried that night. And, and the whole thing, the whole, everything was so expensive, I, I, but I took care of it. A week or so later. A lawyer calls up. The lawyer says, Martin left a will. So, okay, good. It comes to the reading of the will. Martin da, 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 left you $50,000. 50K, that's a lot of money. Very good. And to his aide, the lady who took care of him, Martin left $15 million. <laughs> that's when you start laughing. That's just when you start laughing. Like, 
what? What? You know, you like throw over the table, like you please pick up the table again, and you throw it over a second time. She left the aide, the lady, $15 million. He didn't know what to do. He didn't, he, he didn't know what to do. Now, she was a very sweet lady. <laughs> Nothing against the lady, but he, but, but, but he literally took care of Martin. He really, and he said, I was at a place. He's like, the 50K, he was like, I was upset at Martin. And I was upset at Hashem. He's like, but, but, then, but he's like, then I stopped. And I thought to myself, this is a test. I'm being put through this test. Obviously, it's, it's so stark. It's so clear how much of a test this is. He's like, I'm even being tested on this 50K. So you know what? I called the rub of my shul. He's like, I didn't have any money in the bank then. I called the rub of my shul and I said to him, this 50,000, Martin left for me. I want to write a Sefer Torah in his name and give it to the shul. Whoa. Even with that 50. The rub said, you sure? And then I like, I'm 100% sure. He said, I don't care. He's like, this is the test over here is for me to still love Martin. For me to not have regret in all those mitzvot that I did in all those years. That's what this test. Hashem is going to see me through. He's like, I had to work on my emuna so much. He's like, and I'm looking at this lady, $15 million. She's sitting there. And, it's, ah. said, and I found her. Give me a finder's fee for crying out loud. Something. Sure enough. And as I'm driving this car with them back. And uh, he, he, he shows me the video on his phone of the Hanasat Sefer Torah that they had for their show in Brooklyn. Beautiful Hanasat Sefer Torah. And he got up to speak. And the speech that he gave, I was getting emotional. He was like, I took care of my and this is what his neshama would have wanted. And you see, he's really emotional and how much love he has. Mamish, the biggest test I've ever seen anybody get through. Like, no, I still love the guy. And Hashem is going to see it. Hashem. He said to me, this Yonah guy said to me, from that point on, everything I touched turned to gold. Wow. That, and I got to call him back to see how much time it was. I don't remember if he said uh, six months, a year, a year and a half. Two, I don't remember exactly, but a very short amount of time. His brother or somebody said to him, you know you're like a multimillionaire at this point. He's like, no, I'm not. He's like, oh, he's like, give a look in your bank. Give a look at your assets. He said, I gave a look, and I was exactly at 15 million. <sighs> exactly at 15 mil. He said, Martin and Shemayim went, and... After that test, after that thing, in Shemaim, they said that this guy, when it came to the test part, he was joyous in Hashem. And that's this Pasuk. Chidut Hashem, finding joy in Hashem. He told me from that point on, oh, he told me actually during that time where he was making that money, he said, I want you to go and tell people. He said, giving tzedakah is the time. He's like, I was giving ma'aser before I got the money. He's like, it was a great rabbi who came to me, and he said to me about certain things. He said, I wrote him a $10,000 check at about $500 in the bank. He said, I wrote him the check, and I said to him, don't cash it. But, you know, hopefully things... He's like, it went through, and then so I sent him another check. He's like, to this day, he said, I give and I give. He said, and then came the next challenge. The rabbi my shul called me up and said, we're giving, we want to redo the whole shul. The name of the shul is available, 250 grand. So it's like 250 grand. But again, if you have 15 million, obviously we all know because we're all holding there. Baruch Hashem, you know, we're, we're all well off. So, you know, hey, Beverly would never know. Nothing, nothing. I still live in the valley. I still live in the valley. This is true. But, uh, but, but we all know that we have our millions wrapped up in different things right now. Who knows where Bitcoin's going, right? That, 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 that's where we're holding right now. So he wasn't sure coming up with 250. So he called like his rich friends. Nobody was helping him out. He's like, but for Martin, I just wanted to do it. He's like, I went and I gave the 250 on my own. That was it. I decided I'm, I'm just giving that whole thing. Listen to this story. Listen to the end of this story, guys. On the day of the trip, the trip that I just took over there, 
He said, open up your hearts, guys. He was driving back from the Hamptons. So now, give a look at the Lafroig. Here's Brooklyn, down over here. And here is the Hamptons, up over here, up in Long Island. So you have to drive back down through, uh, to get back to Brooklyn. So he's driving back down. Now, this Yona and his friends, they're a little bit weird. They should call Breslov in this way. Every time they see a Jewish cemetery, they always like to pull over and just like say Tehillim at the cemetery. You know, dab for the people. So they're driving towards, on the last day of this trip, we did the, like this ropes course thing in the woods. They're driving towards the ropes course and some like back alley kind of like... You know, they're driving, they see a sign that has like a Magen David, it says cemetery, you know, with an arrow when it's pointing. They're like, oh, cemetery, gotta go say to him. And they, they drive up, they go right up to the cemetery, and they drive up there, they get out, they start to say something to him, they get back into the car, and Yonah says, you know guys, not feeling it yet, didn't, didn't really. He said, this is what we're going to do. He said, I'm going to drive really, really, really fast, because it's in a cemetery, and like there's, there's nobody like on that lane. It's not like, all right. And uh, I would drive really fast, he's like, I'm going to hit the brakes. Wherever we stop, we're going to jump out and we're going to sing and dance by that person's grave. It happened. Everything you think I'm about to say happened. He drove really, really fast. They just stopped. They all jumped out of the car. They walked up to the first grave and it was Martin's grave. Now, I called him out on it. I'm like, one second, dude. You buried him. (laughs) You first put Martin's grave into the ways and then you went to go... He said to me, no, 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 you have to come coming back to Lefroy over here. He said, you have to understand. And come, come from Brooklyn, I fully appreciate what he's about to say. Because we Brooklyn people only know between Avenue C and Avenue Z and Ocean Parkway. That's, that's how far the ways in our brains works. So he always drove up to Martin coming from Brooklyn. He always came from the entrance on this side, very big entrance on this side. Coming down from the Hamptons, it was like this bootleg entrance from the back. And you have all of these little cemeteries that are spread all around there in Long, Long Island. He had no idea that he was in that cemetery where Martin was. He had no clue. He drove up, he jumped out, and there he was. A little kiss from Shemayim. Rabotai, guys, I'm telling you, when it comes to these challenges that we have, we can come at it and say, Hashem, what are you doing to me? Or, and even in something, I don't care what you say, from this point on, I'm just, if you ever call me, I'm like, yeah, 50,000 versus 15 million, right? I'm just, just going to say that, which is that such a challenge, something so incredible. If you can find a simcha in that, Hashem says, number one, I'm building your olam haba from that. And that's why I did it. And number two, demanding of yourself such greatness will not go unchecked. Bezrat Hashem, we should all be able to have that simcha, to have that ability to be able to, within all of those challenges, when something happens from now on, that's what we're building into ourselves. Something happens, the second it happens, we begin to laugh. We're full of simcha because we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu's mistake, if we can call it that, which is that the moment the, t- the tragedy happens, a ma'amin, somebody's botel Hashem will give us a look and says, I can't wait for the thunderous miracle to follow this tragic lightning. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.